Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Yeah, come on, give, give Jesus a big hand this morning. Um, just real quick before I, before I introduce our guest this morning, we, we here at the church have what I call, we have adopted eight families that we give to here at the church monthly. Uh, some in world missions and some in U.S. missions. It's not just all around the world, but it's here locally too. Um, and, uh, and that means, you know, through everything, Chi Alpha, through other different things. And we're not just buying equipment to go into other countries, but we're also buying equipment that, that's, that stays here at home through Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is an 18-wheeler that when there's a disaster, hurricane, tornado, or whatever it is, they go, they're the first ones on site that's delivering supplies and whatever the water, whatever those people need. And the district of Alabama this year is partnering with them to buy our own 18-wheeler from the district of Alabama that, that will go into all these different places where there's disaster through tornadoes and hurricanes and stuff. So, but I'm excited this morning that we have some very, very dear friends of ours, and we've known Craig and April for, for several years. I don't know how many years now. It's been so long he's gone bald, so it's been a long time. Um, I can say that because he and I are really, we're, we're really good friends, and uh, so there's no telling what he may say about me when he gets up here, so anyway, but we love them so much. They are Chi Alpha pastors at Auburn University and have been there several months. I'll let you guys talk about that, but they've traveled all over the world and, and done cap- campus missionary missions, and we're glad that they're here today, so I want you guys to give them a big Legacy Church welcome as he comes this morning. Hey, the thing I appreciate about your pastor is he talks about me to my face. (laughs) Can't ask for more than that. Amen? Hey, what an honor for us to be here. I'm getting myself situated here. I heard somebody in the church made this awesome podium, by the way, wherever you're at, dude. That's awesome. So, yeah, good job. And, uh, hey, man, just what an honor for us to be here. We love love your pastors. Um, they're, They're awesome people. They're just... They're, they're, just, they're just good people. They're, just, they're not, you know, pretentious or trying to be something they're not. They're just trying to love you and love Jesus and help you love Jesus better and help people in this community know Jesus. And uh, you guys are, you probably, you probably know this already, but you're really blessed to have them as your pastors. And so he didn't pay me to say that. I don't get, yeah, I don't, I, maybe the offering gets bigger. I don't know. That wasn't the point, but that really wasn't my but, uh, but we're just grateful, and we're grateful for you. So this church supports us. So they, they, they made a choice for you. That's what leaders do. They sometimes, like parents, you make choices for your children, right? You're not their children. I get it. But their job is to help make choices uh, about the direction of the church. And they made a choice, but they couldn't make that choice without you, without your giving, without your generosity, without your love for Jesus that, that causes you to give. And so we benefit from that, and we are super grateful. And so if all I had time to do today was come up here and say thank you, I would have been worth my gas money because we really are. We couldn't do what we do without you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what we do so you have some idea. But now if any of you have ever wondered if God had a sense of humor or has a sense of humor, I'm here to say he does. Uh, now, now some of you are thinking because of the way I look. No, that's not very nice. Uh, uh, so that's just kind of mean, actually. But no, the, the reason I believe God has a sense of humor is because I am the Chi Alpha director at Auburn University. Right, we, got, we got some war eagles in the house? Okay. 
All right. So I grew up an Alabama fan. I, I, went to the, I went to the University of Alabama and even graduated, if you can believe that. And for several years, my wife and I were the directors of the Kaffa ministry at University of Alabama. Now, to think that for the rest of my life, most likely people are going to know me as the Auburn Kaffa guy, I find that hilarious. <laughs> All right? And if you wonder if God has a sense of humor, he does. And he cares a lot more about people than he does about your football preferences and, uh, and other sorts of preferences. And, uh, and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more grateful to be where we are, serving Jesus, even at Auburn. <laughs> the Lord has given me a, a love for the people, and it started a long time ago with my wife, who was an Auburn grad, and uh, her whole family is Auburn, every last one of them. And, uh, and so I've been living cross-cultural cross-culturally for many, many years. And uh, but anyway, but so we served the University of Alabama, as I mentioned. Uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about who I am so you know who's talking to you, and we're going to get to the good stuff. I'm going to talk a little bit about me, but I'm here to talk about Speed Delight, and most importantly, about Jesus. And so, but I'm going to share a little bit about who we are, because you do support us, so you might want to know where your money's going, and where your generosity's going, I guess is a better way to say that. But then the Lord was very gracious, and he, he called us to serve in a role as national missions directors with Chi Alpha. Um, Chi Alpha sees our mission statement as reconciling students to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. So what that means for us is that mission starts on the campus, but it doesn't end there. And we all have a mandate to make disciples of all nations, and we believe we have a tremendous opportunity to do that from the university campus. And so we were helping to give to make connections with our local ministries, which are about 300 across the country, and our huge AGWM, Simmons of God Missionary Force, around the world in any way that we can instigate our students and help equip them to, to be a part of God's global mission around the world. We were helping our local ministries do that and helping our missionaries make connections with, with Chi Alpha Ministries and students. And it was, an, it was an awesome thing. And we were so honored to do that and serve our ministry that way. But in June of 2017, the Lord spoke to us very quickly, very suddenly, about going back to Auburn. There had been Kyle at Auburn in the past, but at the moment there had not been. For about four or five years, it had been dormant. And so the Lord spoke to us in, almost in the middle of the night, really, five in the morning. I want you to go back and re-pioneer the ministry there at Auburn University. And uh, things moved very quickly, and the Lord in his grace sent us there, and we are super excited that the Lord chose to send us back to Auburn. We've been serving with Kyle for about 17 years. I know I don't look that old, but, uh, okay, obviously I look older than that. You're like, dude, when did you start, 40? He's like, no, no, no. But the, reasons we, the reason we serve as missionaries to university students is because we believe that the secular university is one of the most strategic mission fields in the world. And there's two main reasons. It's a strategic place, and it's a strategic time of life. And so first, let me talk a little bit about strategic place. On our campuses, or just, I'll talk about Auburn, because that's where we are. I mean, there's probably 90 nations represented every day, every day of the year. There are people from literally all around the world, all around Alabama, all across the United States. People come from everywhere. There's over a million university students, international students in America right now, today. Some of the best and brightest, some wealthy families. I mean, places we would never get missionaries. We have those people on our campuses. It's a tremendous place. It's a great last gathering place. Man, I hope that we could reach everybody. I wish we could reach everybody when they were 8 and 12 
and 16. But that's not reality. So the university provides this one last great gathering place before they're just sent all over the world to the busy life that you all know and most of you live, you know, and work and kids and school and mortgage, and, you know, and, it's, you know, and you're trying to find everything, where to find the time. Man, students think they're busy. They are not busy. They got so much time. Man, there's so much free time. It's like, I got to study. No, you mean you got to play Fortnite. That's what you really meant. So, uh, and so it's just a really great place to build the kingdom of God and make disciples because they're not staying. I don't, we don't get 10-year members. Maybe get them four or five years. And if they stay six, we're kind of like, what's wrong with you? Why are you still here? Like, go. Like, they're going to leave. So, man, if we could raise up men and women of God who love Jesus and want to serve him all the days of their life and just send them everywhere, that's what we believe God has sent us to do at Auburn. Not just have a little nice Christian group at Auburn, but to raise up men and women, soldiers of Jesus, to go all over the world for his glory. That's, that's all we're there to do. So we appreciate you helping us be there to do that. And then just the strategic time, you get it. I mean, they're becoming adults, and they're making some of the most important decisions of their life. I mean, if you stop thinking about it, you're kind of like, oh, my goodness, why are we letting these people make this decision at this age? Like, this is not smart. Some of them are deciding who they're going to marry and what their career is going to be for the rest of their life, or at least for the next 10 years. And there's no decision more important than Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? Because he demands a response. He demands our lives. And so it's the time and the place that's so strategic for us to build God's kingdom. And so one of the things Jesus told his disciples right before he left the planet was go and make disciples of all nations. And that's what we're doing. And so we want to raise up people who are going to plant new Kaiapha groups because we need a lot more. We need, new, we need churches. We want to raise up people to plant churches. We want to send missionaries all over the world. And obviously, we're going to send people into the marketplace, into the local church, to serve Jesus and serve the local church and love the local church. Can I give you a little nugget? It's not in my notes. Um, if you're looking for, if you're looking, for, you guys have already found a great church. When people say they're looking for a good church, they're looking for a church they really love, tell them you're never going to find it. You just got to find a church and then start loving it, and it'll start turning into what you want it to be. You don't, you don't love, God didn't love us because we were lovable. We became lovable because he loved us, and that's true for this church and this community and every church. The more we love it, the more we like it, and the more it becomes the thing that we want it to be, and the more we become what God wants us to be. That's the real, that's the real key. Well, so let me just give you just a little bit of what week-to-week ministry looks like for us, and I'll, I'll try not to talk too fast. I'm just kind of move through here pretty quickly. But the backbone of our ministry is small group discipleship. That's sort of who we are. It's what we're about. We're raising up young men and women. We're not going to have them forever, so we don't have a long time. We got to we got to get it in them and, and prepare them for life after college. Currently, we have two guys and two girls small groups that meet. They're all run. They're actually all led by our staff. The Lord has been very gracious as we planted a new ministry. He's given us five staff to work alongside my wife and I. And the great thing is they're all young. They're like 25, so they can do dumb stuff that I can't do anymore. They can stay up later than I can stay up. You know, they just don't have to worry about certain things I have to worry about. And it's awesome. And the Lord has been super gracious. We couldn't, I mean, yeah, we, I can't imagine doing it without them. So we have our small groups we meet on Mondays and Tuesdays. We have a Thursday night worship service. If anybody knows the Auburn campus, we meet in the Auburn Chapel, one of the oldest buildings on campus. It's just really awesome. We get to meet there. And who knows what else happens there, but man, we get to serve and worship Jesus there, and it's awesome. 
And then on Wednesday mornings, we meet in the student union for prayers. We have students and staff getting together and interceding for the campus, interceding for students on our campus, right in the middle, right in the heart of campus. And then on Wednesdays and Thursday afternoons, or actually 10 to 2, we're on campus with a table just trying to meet students and talk to them about Jesus, talk to them about Chi Alpha, and just invite them to be part of our community. Almost every week, somebody comes to our meeting because we met them on campus. You know, they don't all come back, just being honest, but can't come twice till you come once. So... We love, we love first-time guests. We just love second-time uh, people better. <laughs> we have retreats and conferences and camping trips and road trips. We just went to San Antonio. We actually drove through the night, 14 hours. But see, that's the dumb stuff that young people will cause you to do, you know. And, yeah, we do missions trips. And, you know, they're all saying, you know, work hard, play hard. We, we like to live that. We're serious about students giving their lives to Jesus. We're serious about them being discipled into lifelong followers of Christ. We're serious about students living lives of righteousness, not just playing around. And we're serious about having fun. Like, we want to have more fun on accident than everybody else has on purpose. You ain't got to go to a frat or anything else to have fun. Like, you come, we'll have some fun. But we're also going to serve Jesus and do it well. But that's enough about Chi Alpha. I'm not here to talk about Chi Alpha. I'm here to talk about Speed the Light. What an amazing ministry Speed the Light is. Speed the Light is part of a big picture of mission strategy that the Assemblies of God has. And this video, I didn't know this video was going to have. This video is awesome. So actually, I really don't need to talk about Speed the Light that much. The video does such a great job. But at the very founding of this church movement over 100 years ago, the heart of why this movement even started was to take the gospel around the world that they could do a better job of sending the gospel and raising up believers around the world coming together and being a movement, a thrust, an evangelistic thrust to the world. That's where this movement started, and then that's where Speed the Light was started as well. I think they said 1944, is that what it said on the video? This meant raising up and sending missionaries all over the world, and not only to send missionaries, but to send them well-equipped to be as fruitful and effective as possible. You know, it's one thing to show up. It's one thing to show up and do what you were called to do once you showed up. And Speed the Light is a tremendous and a vital equipping ministry that, that our missionaries uh, are able to have at their disposal. Um, I'm going to actually, some of the stuff was talked about in the video, so I'm going to skip through, but I heard uh, recently... Obviously, vehicles, sound equipment, our ministry has benefited from that for years. Like I said, 17 years. It's just a huge blessing to be able to, I mean, we tote students places. I mean, we tote sound equipment places. We tote, I mean, move people's furniture from place to place. I mean, just being able to do things that we couldn't do without, you know, without Speed Delight and their great help for us. But I heard about some neat stuff that's happening now because with technology. I mean, just, you know, they... I don't even know, I'm not a tech guy, but a missionary was talking about how they have these little uh, hot spots. They can get on an airplane flying into the Middle East and you can turn that thing on and people, it, it gives them an option to click on there and there'll be like Jesus movies and all that in Arabic. And he can go back in the bathroom and look and see how many people on their plane are watching the Jesus movie. People going to country that we can't have missionaries and we can't be open with the gospel. Speed the Light's doing that. That's, that's phenomenal. And, uh, and so people are being creative in how we can... How, how we can expose people to the gospel. So it's pretty awesome. 
So recently I asked my wife, we were talking about Speed Delight, and I asked my wife, okay, don't think, just answer, okay, which is hard for her, easy for me. I can talk without thinking a lot. But, so don't think, don't think, just answer. When I say Speed Delight, what do you think? Uh, vehicles, uh, Steve Mason. Uh, okay, and so for those of you who don't know Steve Mason, he's our, the, the Alabama State District Youth Director. Part of his job is to advocate. A big part of his job is to advocate and stir young people for, for the cause of missions through Speed the Light. He's a great advocate, and we're so grateful for what he does. But if, we, if that's all we think about Speed the Light, we're, we're in trouble. Not because Steve. Steve's awesome. That's not the point. But if all we think about is raising money to buy things, we're missing the heart of Speed the Light. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want us to take a deeper look, and I want to talk about the heart of Speed the Light. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in, okay? So, Lord, we are so grateful just to be here. Lord, we're grateful for what you're doing in this church, Lord, what you're doing in the hearts of people here, in the lives of people in this city, in this area. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you cause us to have hearts and minds that are open? And Lord, help us to respond to what you speak to us. Lord, you may speak 45 different things this morning because there are 45 people in 45 different places in their lives right now. You're amazing in that way. But Lord, would you speak and would you help us to hear and respond to you? We're so grateful. We're grateful for your word, Lord. Help us as we, as we look at it and learn to grow from it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there I was, standing at the ironing board, ironing my shirt for church. It's probably about eight years ago. My 12-year-old son was about four at the time. And we actually were part of a small church plant. And so I'd go early and help out with the worship team. And so I was ironing my shirt and getting ready. And I'd go, and then April and the kids would come later, of course. Well, this particular morning, my four-year-old son, whose name is Tyler, said, Hey, Dad, can I come to church with you? And I thought, man, he wants to, he wants to come hang out with me. Like, he wants to come and ride to church with me. I'm like, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, it's like, man, little man wants to hang out with me. We always kind of chat, you know, and, you know. And then it hit me. He's four. He's not going to talk to me at all. He's going to sit in the back of the car and play with his toys. And then he's going to drop a toy. And he's going to start fussing and complaining and crying. And he's going to want me to pull over the car and get the toy. And I'm not going to want to do And I'm like, what? And then I thought, he just wants to go early and play video games in the back. Like, he doesn't, it's not about me at all, right? And I was like, man, I can't wait till he gets older. You know, he can sit in the front seat. You know, and then we can talk about things that I want to talk about, not just his stupid toys. You know, we talk about things that are, that, are, that are important to me, you know. And I'm ironing my shirt, and I feel like the Lord said, you know, that's how I feel about my children. I can't wait for them to grow up and get in the front seat with me and talk about things that are important to me, not just what's important to them. And I was like, oh, God, I'm, I'm guilty. Lord, help me, Jesus. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that son. And so I share that with you because this morning, as much as I'd love to be funny and all that, actually, we, we got to have big boy conversation this morning. 
Because I think we need to talk about something that's really important to God. And when we're talking about missions, we're talking about souls. And there's nothing more important than that. So speed the light. Light. Why do we need light? Why do we ever need light? Yes, to see. <laughs> Amen. Because there's darkness. We need light because there's darkness. Most of the world lies in spiritual darkness. And when I say darkness, I mean sin and lies and deception that exalts itself against God and against his truth. Darkness. Most of the world is living in darkness. In 1 John, the, the John, obviously that's why it's called 1 John, he says that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. So I was like, oh, beginning. So I thought about the beginning. Well, what was the beginning? The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. And what do we see? Satan in the garden. And what's he doing? He starts talking to Eve about what God said to her. Now, are you sure God said that? Now, you're not really going to die if you eat that fruit. Now, the, you know, now, you know the reason God said that, right? The reason God said that is because he knows that you'll be like him. And basically what he's saying is he doesn't want you to be like him. So he's telling you don't, don't eat that. But if you eat that fruit, you'll be like him. And it says you'll know good from evil. And I always thought, it's like, well, isn't knowing good from evil a good thing? Like, I, I want to know good from evil so I can not do evil, right? Well, that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is this, it's talking about determining for yourself what's good and what's evil. Your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God. Who determines what's right and wrong? God. Who determines this is good, this is not good? God does. But whenever we take that on ourselves, it's like we were coming like God, saying, you know what? Well, this is okay. It doesn't matter what God says about it. I can just make my own decisions about what's right and what's not right. It's darkness. Now, let me show you a result of that decision. So about, you know, the, the generations in the Old Testament can be kind of long. People live a long, long time. And, uh, but in Genesis chapter 6, I want to read something to you. I think this is the saddest verse in the entire Bible, and you're going to have it all read before I get there, but I'm going to read it anyway. Actually, what I'm going to do is, for time's sake, I'm going to just read it off the screen. My eyes are that good. It said, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. There are a lot of parents in the room. Imagine that your children cause you such pain and heartache and disappointment 
in sadness that you thought, I wish I'd never had kids. I wish I'd never had kids. But it's not worth it. It's, too, it's just it's too painful. They're, too, they're just too rebellious, too disobedient, too just, they want nothing to do with me. They hate everything I stand for. That's God. That's how God felt. And that's what he was telling Moses when Moses penned those, those words. And my guess is he feels the same way about most people today. He's broken and his heart aches because of the, the disobedience and the rejection. Even over in the book of Judges, you know, it, would, it says over and over again, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We're back to the garden, right? It's just, hey, I'll decide what's right. I'll decide what's right. 2019, I'm in Texas. I'm talking to students. They're saying the same thing. You can't tell me what to do, what's right and wrong. I make, I have my, I could just, I've decided, I have my own moral, make up my own sort of moral thing. And that person can make up theirs. And that person, may, I mean, like, you can't tell me that this, something's wrong, what's right. Well, I'm not trying to make it up myself either. I'm telling you, I believe God has decided that. Amen. Right? There's a lot of things in here I'd, I'd probably rub out if it was up to me. I'd get away, right? I mean, there's, I mean, <laughs> to think that humans came up with this all on their own is not very bright perspective. There's things here that we can't live up to apart from the Spirit of God inside of us. Amen. But I'll do what's right in my own, own eyes. And even the other day, I was, I came across a, a country song. And I'm trying to step on anybody's toes. I don't care if it's country music. I'm gonna, that's, that's not my point here, so I'm going to write that. Uh, I think it was Blake Shelton's got him a new song. Jesus got a tight grip on me or something like that. And I said, well, I want to hear it. You start, people talk about Jesus. I want to know what they're saying about Jesus. I'm just being honest with you, okay? So um, I call it good old boy theology, you know. And basically, it's I can do whatever I want to, but Jesus is going to, going to save me in the end. You know, I'm going to still get into heaven because Jesus is good. Look, Jesus is good, but that's a gross misunderstanding of the gospel. It's a gross misunderstanding of the Bible and who Jesus is and what he did and what he wants to do. It matters. We can't just live however we want and do whatever we want and think that we just kind of coast in at the end. That's just not Bible. It's not my personal theology. It's just not the Bible. And it's actually more dangerous than Hinduism or Islam because it mixes in a little Jesus with it. It's a deception, and he can lead people astray in our part of the world. The people in Thailand, they don't care because they don't care about Jesus. But people are in darkness. Billions and billions of people today live in darkness. The deception of false gods, the deception of thinking that they are God. They may not say that, but if you can do whatever you want and make all the rules, guess what? You, you think you're God. They're suffering. That's a direct result of greed, violence, and all sorts of selfishness. Darkness. And there's only one thing that breaks darkness. Light. You can walk in the sanctuary and it can be pitch black dark. You hit that light switch, boom, it's gone. And it, if it doesn't like slowly go out, it's just boom, it's just gone. Light just boom, just drives out darkness. It's the only thing that will. And so the Bible talks about light in lots of places, but John chapter 1, probably my favorite. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, 
and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Thank you, Lord. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. So when we say speed the light, we're talking about Jesus. Not just his teachings, not just his ideas, the person of Jesus. He's the one that transforms lives, no matter where they are, no matter what their backgrounds are, no matter how bad their sin is or what they think, no matter how dark the darkness, Jesus is the light. Now, why do we speed the light? Why is it important that we speed the light? Well, it's pretty simple. Everyone is going to stand before Christ one day. And they're going to give account for their lives. Whether they go through death or they go through the return of Christ, we're all going to stand before Jesus, the light, and give account for our darkness. And in the book of 2 Peter, apparently there were some folks in the church that were like, you know, you guys keep talking about Jesus coming back, but I, I'm not really seeing that. I, I'm, I don't really know if that's really true. And Peter says, just be clear. Jesus hasn't come back yet, and it's not because he's slack. It's not because he doesn't keep his promises. It's not because he's weak. It's because he's patient. It's because he's willing that none should perish. You know that phrase? This is where it comes from. He's holding, he's holding out on coming back because he's trying to let us have time to get into the kingdom. Because when he comes and brings his kingdom, you either you're in or you're out. And nothing that's clean, no darkness, no uncleanness, no unrighteousness is going to enter his kingdom. Can't get in. And in his patience, in his great love for us, in his great love for the masses around the world, he's not come back. Would I love for him to come back next week? Amen. Except that I know there's a lot of people that aren't ready. And so instead of being selfish about wanting Jesus to come back, Lord, would you just give a little more time? Would you help us? But if we're going to ask for more time, we can't sit around and do nothing. Because we don't need more time to do nothing. We need more time to work. We need more light, more daylight to work. He's not willing that any should perish. This is the heart of why we speed the light. You know the old saying, time is money? Well, in God's kingdom, time is souls. And it's important that we redeem the time. Our mission is both critical and urgent. 
Now, let me share one last passage with you. And I'll start working toward the end here. Romans chapter 10. And I could just read you like one or two verses, but I have a hard time not giving you context. So if, forgive me if I'm reading too much Bible in church. I don't think that's, I don't think you can do that, but um, we'll, just, we'll give it a shot. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. It's interesting, Jesus is Lord, not Jesus Savior, by the way. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scriptures say, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, who richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, now here we go, I could have just started here. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God's looking for partners. He's the light, and he's done his part. Like, is it the reason that there are billions of people lost on the planet? Is it Jesus' fault? I mean, what more? I mean, but he's choosing to partner with us. And so on Speed the Light Sunday, Jesus wants to remind us that he's the light of Speed the Light. He's the reason we raise money. He's the reason we send missionaries. He's the reason we do missions. He's the one walking the slums of India today. He's the one, he's the one walking the mosques of the Middle East today. He's the one walking the bars and bedrooms of Auburn University today. And he's the one walking the aisles of our church today. Looking for sons and daughters who care about what he cares about, who loves what he loves, and who will partner with him as he seeks and saves the lost. Now, I want to close with this. And I didn't, I didn't give this for the screen. It's Ephesians chapter 1, just one little verse to wrap. Paul talks about a prayer that he has for the church in Ephesus. My guess is the same prayer he had for all the churches. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I'm going to read it again. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, it'd be easy for me to say, 
okay, I'm a missionary to college students. That's what I do. My calling, yeah, kind of. But my true calling is to Jesus, just like you. I'm called to Jesus, and I'm called to help people know Jesus. So if they don't know anything about Jesus, I'm called to help them know Jesus and to be in a relationship with Jesus. If they know a little bit about Jesus, it's to know more about Jesus. If they know a lot about Jesus, it's to know even more about Jesus. And not about him, but to know him. To know him. Because if we'll know him better, we'll love him better. If we know him better, we will respond with that revelation. How how could you not? I mean, if you're here, you've already apparently responded to the grace of God, to the wooing of the Holy Spirit at some point and gave your life to him. And if you haven't, today's a great day to do that. But we've already responded. We continue to respond to the grace and the mercy of God. And so my call is to help students to know him better so I don't have to tell them everything to do because that's the Holy Spirit's job. I can help them know him better. So I'm not here to try to instigate you to give lots of money to speed the light. I hope you do that. That's not my job. But if you know Jesus better, you'll be more generous in every area. You'll serve this church more than you've ever done before. You'll serve the people in your neighborhood more than you ever have before. As you know Jesus better, you will respond. Because it's impossible not to. Because he's light and he's good. He's amazing. And so my, so my desire, and I'm going to close and pray for this and have Pastor Chad come back is that all of us, myself included, would have a greater sense, that the Lord would help us have a greater sense of wonder and awe and revelation of who he is. And that all we would have to do is respond to that. Respond to the revelation of God's spirit about who Jesus is, how amazing he is. And then we just get to do what he asks us to do. We get to walk in obedience. Amen? All right, let me pray. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son, the light of the world, not just to penetrate some abstract darkness way out there, God, but in our lives. Lord, when we were living in darkness, confused, lost, disoriented, fearful. Just not right. You came as the light into our darkness. God, we're so grateful for that. Lord, help us to never lose the the wonder of our salvation. And Lord, we ask that you would help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Would you continue to draw us near to you? Help us to understand you and grow in our knowledge of you and our revelation of just of how glorious and how awe-inspiring you are. Because if that happens in our lives, Lord, no one's ever going to have to stir us up. No one's ever going to have to twist our arms to to be obedient or to be generous or to be committed. Because we understand what an honor and privilege it is to be your sons and daughters and to serve you. So Lord, would you speak to us today?
Lord, speak to us tonight. Lord, speak to us on Tuesday afternoon. Draw us close to yourself. Help us know you better, Jesus. Help us know you better. Help us not be satisfied with what we know now. Help us know you better. In Jesus' name. If you would, just for a second, just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed just for a moment. I, I just feel in my spirit that... Um, that I have to ask the question today with no one looking around. You may be here today and you don't know the light that, that Craig is talking about. What better day to find out about the light than on Speed of the Light Day? So if you're here and you say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't really know about the light. I don't really know. I've, I've heard about it, but I really don't have a relationship with him. With everyone, no one looking around, please, no one looking around. Just, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, that's me. I know that's kind of unheard of, that we live in a Bible Belt. We live in the South where there's a church on every corner. But there are people who don't know Jesus. And if you're here and you say, I don't really know who that is, but I would like to know. And if that's you, will you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to call you no front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just, I, I just want to pray for you. Anybody, just lift your hand up. And the second part of that is this. Maybe you know who Jesus is. Maybe you served him at one time in your life, but you've got away from him. As Craig said, you, you've allowed, you started to do your own thing. Where Jesus is no longer in the picture anymore, that you're making your decisions, you're doing your own thing, you're living your own life. And understand, God never designed you to live your own life. He designed your life for him to be right in the middle of it. And so if that's you and you say, Pastor, I've, I've gotten away from the Lord. I know him, but I don't know him. I want to get back to knowing him. I want to get back to talking to him every single day and spending time with him. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up? I love the song because all, all it says is you're just surrendering your heart to him. We talked about it last week. Jesus wants to be your Savior, but more importantly, He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be the control of your life. He wants to lead you and guide you and, and to help you make decisions in your life that's going to make you a better person in the future. So I want to pray. Father, today I thank you. God, I thank you for my life. Because God, if, if it wasn't for you, I would not be standing here today. God, thank you that you chose me. Thank you that you picked me. God, we may not all serve as campus missionaries. We may not ever go to China or Africa or you know, Ecuador or all these other places around the world. But God, what, what you are calling us to do is to simply to go across the street. And that is to talk to our neighbors and to meet our neighbors and our coworkers and to simply talk to them about Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you'd give us the strength and the, and the desire and the compassion, Father, to understand that even though things are okay here at, in, in my own heart, that not everything is okay in everybody else's heart. And those are the people that you've called me to, to re reach out to and minister to, Father. 
however that looks like. So God, we just simply surrender our hearts to you today. We commission our life again as we did last Sunday. We commission our life to you again today. Say, Father, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, have your way. Because it's really not my life, it's yours. So God, I thank you for that today. And we give you honor and glory and praise. That Father, that when we leave this place today, God, outside is where it really makes the difference. God, we've been equipped. We've been given the word. We've been given the tools that we need, God, to reach people for the loss. But God, for so many reasons, that tool has become rusty. And we've, we've, we've hidden away in the tackle box somewhere. And what you're asking us to do is open, dust that tackle box off and get that tool out and start using it. Because how will they ever know, if God, if we don't go? So God, today, every single one of us are missionaries. And I pray that you would use us and guide us and lead us, Father, in every step that we take to reach the lost. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. or Wednesdays at 630 p.m. Have a blessed day.